Right, welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast, and you're listening to me, Stanford Chidge, and uh, him over there, Mr. Jonathan Kidd. And the other him over there, Mr. Clayton Beerman, who's uh, got Hello. himself a very... Actually, that's a very good idea, Clayton. Clayton's opening... See, Clayton and I, I should, I should uh, not advertise this because it's an exclusive members club, but Cl- Clayton and I belong to the virtual uh, pub walkers um, thing on a, what, a little kind of Zoom group uh on uh on a friday evening with some of our mates some of whom we drink in uh drink within the cock you see so we quite often have a beer don't we on a friday night together in a virtual sense and he's just opened one and it's tempted me this is the one i was going to drink on friday uh clayton but never mind needs must so there you go well due due to lockdown i've actually run out of beer so i'm having a couple uh for a birthday present and this is wold top Wold gold blonde beer and it is really really very pleasant. Wold gold it sounds like something jonathan ross might drink Wold gold i think you're right right anyway the main uh business uh of this evening for us is of course having a good old look back uh, at the season that was uh 1978-79 um again this is i think we're going to have to call this um what do they call it? it's like um uh, what, uh, bc and uh a what is it ad isn't it uh, so I think we'll have to call this era of Chelsea BC before Chidge because I've still not really yet found my way uh, to regularly going to Stamford Bridge. But I can tell you that these two chaps here, these two fine chaps, were definitely there and thereabouts. So my my first thing, I'm going gonna to ask you, Clayton, actually. Um, Chelsea, you know, in spite of all the obvious evidence, because they were dreadful. Uh, the season before, as as anybody who listened to the show last week will remember. But they were tipped for a quick return again. Did you think people are mad, or did you your hope and hopes and expectations were such that you thought, well, yeah, of course? I think the thing is, at that time, we, we had uh, assumed the mantle of a bit of a yo-yo club. We'd been up, we'd been down, we'd been up, we'd been down. And so the thought that we could basically go up again was not completely foreign. Um, But you did actually have to check and see whether the men in white coats were around. Um, But I I honestly can't remember the beginning of that season, the strength of the other teams in the division. So I can't remember whether we went down and, and the team that we went that were relegated would have been perceived to have been a better bet than than the other teams um, who were relegated and who were actually in the old second division at that time. There wasn't anything in our in our squad that gave us a huge amount of hope after the absolute codswallop that we'd watched the year before. Well, uh, but you know, I think I've said, and when we've reviewed seasons before, that there is always an optimism. At the start of any season, yeah. there is an optimism. Well, it's, it's interesting you say that, that you know, the squad, I mean, the squad was most definitely not as strong as before because, of course, Jonathan, we'd sold Ray Wilkins for 900 grand, which made many of uh, my generation and a bit older uh, tearful, to say the least. Uh, and, of course, Clayton's hero, Peter Benetti, finally retired at a grand old age. I think he was 38, wasn't he, when he retired? So we were we were weaker already, weren't we, J.K.? Well, I, I don't think he'd been great towards the, the end of the last season, Benetti. I think we were aware that he was uh, he was on his last legs a bit. Um, uh, he always got he always threw himself wonderfully into um, into every uh, 
challenge with a with a forward on goal, and he was fearless, and he always got injured, and I think his body was had great difficulty recovering from the injuries because he was he was getting older and older, and he didn't quite have the same spring in his legs. Um, so uh, I, I think it was a, it was a mutual thing, wasn't it, about Bonetti? But then we were we'd replaced him with the um, with the uh, the eccentricities of the bizarre Petter Barotta, who uh, um, uh, I have to say I was more. My, my memory had failed me about Barotta because I remember thinking that he was a uh, um, um, eccentric but sort of quite good and in fact the reality is watching some of these clips back he was just eccentric and terrible um, uh, so uh, it was uh, it's very very difficult um, looking very positive about it but I mean as a as I mean Clayton's absolutely right you 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 always approach each season with an optimism because you think, the teams in the division will never be um, as good as they were in the uh, in, in the div first division before. But um, but nonetheless, um, uh, the season before they were so terrible, it was difficult thinking they're going to get out of this first time. So, um, but uh, you know, you always hope. There's always that dreadful hope that somehow they'll they'll get something together. That um, they'll they'll select a group of players that will gel. And uh, but as, as you say, Wilkins disappearing was um, leaving for United was a blow. But I mean, I was a Mickey Fillery fan. I thought he was excellent most of the time, and and Walker, Clive Walker. So uh, there's always there was always hope with that. Um, um, and uh, and uh, I, I don't know. You always you not being terribly aware of what was going on behind the scenes. There was always the feeling that one of the a new signing might appear, and then just somehow push them into a into a a, a different standard um uh but yeah it was uh, so you you've got a kind of double thing going on haven't you? you've got you've got hope that you watch the first few games it's hoping they'll win them and uh, when it they're not playing very well or it's not quite as easy as you thought it was going to be then your enthusiasm sort of disappears dips a bit to well, you then uh, i think observing in the same way i you think know. the fact that we you know we beat the china 11-3 one in a friendly would have been enough to give everybody hopes that we would bounce back up but uh talking of people we didn't really get anybody in i mean peter rhodes brown signed professional forms and uh colin pates signed professional forms uh that summer but we we, we let uh gary stanley go actually the day before ray wilkins which i've completely forgotten about um but uh, he, goes, he went to Everton for three hundred grand. I mean, you, we all know why they were selling. Yeah, they were selling players because they were skint and they needed the money. Um, but they did all right. I mean, the first uh, the first kind of few weeks of the season. Oh no, they didn't do all right at all. I'm lying, of course. We drew nil nil against Sunderland um, at home, which was a fairly close uh, close fought affair. And then we managed to lose uh, away to West Ham. And and then uh, sorry, we what? I'm sorry. I'm just, yeah. I'm yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm I, I haven't even started this beer, Clayton, and yet the the smell of it's <laughs> clearly got me pissed. Yes, we drew nil nil against Sunderland, and then we won away against West Ham, which is never a you know no mean feat in those days. They ended up winning the cup that year, uh, and then we won at home against Wrexham uh, with an Eddie Nijveki in goal, believe it or not. Uh, and then we played Plymouth Argyle in the cup, and we drew two all, and then we uh, lost. New, to Newcastle uh, away 2-1 and then we got booted out of the League Cup against Plymouth, Plymouth Argyle uh, on aggregate and basically after that they got rid of this surreal quirky manager that had been Danny Blanchflower and uh, in the summer Jeff Hurst had been 
acquired as the first team coach and they promoted him to the manager with Bobby Gould coming in to uh, replace Danny Blanchflower. So, um, Clayton, what what did you think about Chelsea having uh, the hero of 1966 as the manager of our club with his great uh, track record of managing Telford? Um, I think that... <laughs> At the time... Jonathan, I'm sorry I need to find... Because I just saw Jonathan's face there. He's grimacing at the memory of it. <laughs> sorry, mate, but carry on. I, th- I think at the time, um, and, J- and Jonathan may correct me, that quite frankly, had they um, appointed Hector from Hector's House, a popular TV programme at the time... With Kiki, with Kiki Danny, as the assistant, right? Yeah, yeah. To, to replace Danny Blanchflower, I think... I would have been happy. I mean, Danny Blanchflower was possibly, and it's quite a very high bar, but possibly the most ridiculously stupid, inappropriate and ridiculous appointment the club's ever made. And it was obviously based on the fact that he was willing to do the job for a couple of couple of pints of stout <laughs> and, a packet, and, a, and a packet of peanuts yeah. as, a, as a weekly wage because there was no logic to it. It was just... Insane. Who, who on the boardroom came up with that idea? I mean, I, I've got no idea, but it, it just, I mean, it, it set the club back. I don't know. <clears throat> it was for what? It, it's, it, it, was, it was probably less than half a season in total because he, he was like the last third of the relegation season and then the first couple of weeks of this season. But the fact was that, that once, I mean, I don't know if you want me to go on, but once yeah, yeah. Jeff Hurst got into his stride we had and I I don't know if my memory's playing tricks with me but I think that he was I think initially he was only appointed as a caretaker and he won I think it was either five or six games in a row and on the back of that he was appointed permanent manager and his first game in charge as permanent manager, we lost. <laughs> we lost home to Fulham. We did. I remember because I was there. Uh, I, we lost two 0 and I think the infamous John Beck possibly scored one or both goals. But it was good because he was a good player, Beck. Oh my God, he was tough as tough as whatever. Tough as teak. Tough as teak. tough as tough as teak. Thank you so much. Um, so, yeah, so it was, I mean, basically... yeah. Uh, you're right. Sorry to butt in. I'm just uh, having a fact check here. Uh, Jeff Beck, who later, of course, became a world renowned guitarist, uh, he scored on 60 minutes. And then Gordon Davies, remember him? Yes, He's I do. Player, very yeah, good. Yeah, he scored on 87 minutes. And then who was the manager? Who was the manager? Of Fulham? Yeah. At the time? Yeah. Oh, oh, um, God. Oh, oh, God. Um, oh. It wasn't Alex Stock, was it? Alex Stock. No, Bobby Campbell. Oh, wow. How about those apples? Wow. So, I mean, you're right, Clayton, in all of that, mate. Well, well remembered. I'm gold star, mate. You know, the quality. I mean, Jonathan, I can't remember what happened last week. You're doing very well here. Um, No, I do remember that because it was just so (laughs) Chelsea. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah, it was so Chelsea. I mean,. They they did basically get the gig because uh, they they reeled off wins against Watford two nil, Cambridge away one nil, Burnley away one nil, Chelsea against Bristol Rovers one nil. There's a pattern emerging here, isn't there, that would come back to haunt us in in later uh, elements of his career, and then we won two one away at Cardiff. 
But in the meantime, or kind of at that same time, he managed to completely piss Peter Osgood off, who kind of basically retired in a flounce saying that he'd stabbed Blanche Blair in the back. And he managed to sell Eamon Bannon, who, of course, was cherry-picked, hand-picked by Blanche Flower, and actually, you know, he was quite a decent player, as he, as he then went on to prove by ending up playing for Scotland. Remember that, Jonathan? I do indeed. I, I liked him as a player. Yeah. It, but he, Agreed. He, he didn't set the, the, the place alight, but he looked, he looked very industrious and uh, very um, c- compact, and um, he was decent, and I thought he'd have a very good second season, but alas, no, not given an opportunity. Well, he was a great passer of the ball. He was, he was a very decent player. Very Quality decent. player, actually. Um, yeah. but, um, it's interesting, wasn't it, that um, I, I listened to John Sitton's um, uh, discussion about um, playing for Chelsea, and he said that um, Jeff Hurst was one of the worst managers he ever played yeah. For, yeah. because all he did was just get him to run everywhere. The yeah. ball was never used. And if any ball was ever ball work was done, it was always via Bobby Gould. We'd sort of secrete them off somewhere to play with the ball, but he said that. And his big thing, of course, is John Sitton said that that when he was a, uh, when he was a student, that um, that Eddie Mack was, was this was this great great manager who, of course, um, uh, should have carried on managing them because would have managed them to great success. Um, it was just interesting hearing it from a player at the time, but he said that uh, that Hurst was definitely the worst manager he ever put under. Um, well, having having as as Clayton so rightly said, got the gig and then losing to Fulham and then Sunderland, uh, we then played uh, Leighton Orient uh, on Saturday the tenth of November in in what yeah. is well, hang on, hang on, it's one of the most remarkable games that I don't know about at all. It it never comes up in 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 discussion or Chelsea history at all. But uh, for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, Chelsea won 7-3. And the other thing that's remarkable to me is that there there were two players playing in that match who I just have no real recollection of. Sorry, one player, certainly. Lee Lee Frost. Lee Frost, who scores a hat-trick, right? Who who is Lee Frost? Whatever happened to Lee Frost? Well, he was a little pocket battleship of a player. And... um, uh... He put it about a bit and was very skillful, and um, it was no surprise to me that he was scoring. But he then fell from favour, as appears to be the case. They have sort of limited time in the team. Like there's also Johnson was a decent. Yeah, I was thinking of him too. Again, very somebody decent. I don't have really any recollection of at all. Just really good in the air and decent skills, and um, I just think don't think it was a it was a time for for giving being given opportunities i think hurst was very specific it's very interesting watching lots of these games um again is that you do appreciate and i've said this before about the, the the ball being passed back to the goalie rule but it does mean that the ball is lumped up the field an enormous amount and particularly from defense particularly mickey droy unfortunately was never the most cultured of players <laughs> <laughs> Uh, just kick the ball. No, that, one, of, one of the games, one of the games that Church gave us a link to. I can't remember which one it was. I think we, I think it was the Charlton game where we won three yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. And, and Mickey Droy just took yeah. the ball out of defence and just whacked it forward. There was nobody there. It yeah. just went straight to the goalkeeper, and it was. I mean, God bless him. He gave everything for the club, and I love Mickey Droy because. Of and he that, was captain but, at the time. Remember? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um. So come on then, Clayton. Do you remember the seven-three against Orient? Tell me about it. I wasn't there, um, but I do remember it, and and it was just it was bizarre. 
it was utterly bizarre because the result came from nowhere. And as you alluded to, in uh, um, is that the team had trouble scoring goals, and then for all of a sudden to come up with seven, it, it was utterly bizarre. I mean, I, I can't remember. I, I just saw the result in the evening, and I just thought, what? Yeah. Didn't make any sense at all. But as but, a consequence of all of this, they started rising up the league, didn't they? Well, yeah. Things were working for them. So you, you can't understand. I still don't understand why Frost and Johnson were in and out of the side and then ultimately disappeared because they were clearly playing very well. But I remember it's that thing of watching a new player. I always have, I'm sure that we're all the same. We have great enthusiasm for a new player who comes in and we want them to do really well. And if you see players doing really well, you think, yeah, great. Let's see them playing again next week. And then they're not in the team the following week and they play well. I don't get, I've never got that. I've never understood that. Obviously but but I think back. that with, with those two, I think there was Hurst obviously favoured uh, Tommy Langley and yeah. Clive Walker up front. And I think those guys missed out because he, he seemed wedded to those two. And, you know, to be fair. Um, no better players. Yeah, uh, and to be fair, Clive Walker was a remarkably good player. And one thing when I was looking at... He could at the, be awful uh, on his day, though, Clayton. He could be. He could be awful. Um, but name me a winger that consistently has a good game every week. No, true enough. And I mean, to be fair, he... En he en so who, who, Jonathan? Steve Koppel. Okay, good point, Till he got injured. He was very inconsistent after that. Uh, but... Uh, yeah, Walker ends up being the top goal scorer with 13 and uh, top appearance maker as well with about 42 appearances, I think. So, you know, don't disc, don't disc uh, Clive Walker. Now, I, I'm, I'm desperate to know whether you were at the next game, uh, which was Chelsea against West Ham on the 14th of November. It was an evening kickoff, so you might not have been. Were you at that match, Clayton? No, I wasn't. Because during this, well, this season and the season before and after, uh, I was at uni. So I couldn't get to all the home games, but I know what you're going to say. This was tasty. Yeah, John, Jonathan, Jonathan, do you remember the Chelsea-West Ham match after the... I was uh, there. You I was were there. there, right. Okay. What's this match famous for? And it's not us beating them 2-1. Uh, fighting? Yes. Yes, what a surprise. The, yes. the, the cheeky, chirpy Cockneys caused a lot of ag that night because they basically all congregated in the shed Didn't end. Just take over. Yeah, that's right. Didn't, wasn't there a constant sort of pushing people around the pitch, around the... Uh, um, and luckily, I was ensconced in my seat in the, uh, the East Stand Upper, so I wasn't um, having to... We uh, just observed, thinking, oh, God, here they go again. Oh, look, they've pushed them around that side. Oh, look, they've chased them around that side. Well, oh, look, the police are in here now. If, oh, okay. if you read uh, Kelvin Barker's marvellous... Uh, salary representing Chelsea in the 80s uh, which is the definitive work on this era and Kelvin will be coming on I've got an announcement to make about the 50 years of Chelsea at the end of the show but Kelvin will be coming on a few of these and if in his book he says that basically about I don't know something like 200 West Ham fans uh, very incognito assembled at the at the bottom of the shed which of course is where the kids used to go and then they went loopy uh, when um, who scored for them uh, Holland scored on 25 minutes to go 1-0. They announced themselves, at which point the, the Chelsea lot in the shed all absolutely went for them. Bit of a pitch battle, and then they were on the pitch. Well, actually, no, apparently the, 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 the West Ham fans in the other end started to come on as well. So it was a right old ding-dong. Not very pleasant if you're in the middle of it, I would imagine. Uh, luckily, I wasn't. Clayton wasn't, and you were in the East Stand, so you got away with it. But you know what you said a minute ago, JK? 
about us being top. We were we were in sixth when we played West Ham. We were in the third when we then played Charlton, which is one of the matches that I showed, uh, I shared with you from YouTube, and then Notts County, the the away match where I thought we got hammered, and still won three two. Lord knows how. How how they missed all those open goals? It was hysterical. They were as bad as we were. Well, they they were. It was, I was I was astonished. Um, you know, Jonathan's muted himself somehow. I'm going to unmute him. There you go. You about to say something, LB? I mean, you know, they they just missed missed goal after goal after goal. Didn't they did, they? didn't they? Yeah. They had that really excellent player playing Masson. Yeah, Don Masson. Oh, Don Masson. Went, then went to play for Forest, didn't he? After that, I think. No, he went to QPR. Did he go to QPR? Yep. Okay, okay. He was part of that side that nearly won the league. Right. So there you go. Bottom line is, is that we were top of the league by the end of the calendar year. So, I mean, how are you both feeling then? You must think, thinking, well, hello, yeah, we are going to go right back up. Well, they they were playing very well, and as you said, you said, um, uh, Clayton, um, uh, Clive Walker was terrific, and so was uh, and Fillory was playing out of his skin. Fillory had that great ability to um, just dribble past lots of people and and curl shots in. He was a very classy player, Mickey Fillory. Um, and I have to say, I didn't consequently miss Butch that much. But my, we were in the second division, so the standard of team they were playing against obviously wasn't the same. But because Fillory looked to me to be a real real class act. I mean, they did have this ability to... to there was something going right at the club in that they were getting hold of, of players coming through who you thought, well, actually, these are he's pretty decent. Gary Locke was still a terrific fullback. Um um, what happened to David Stride? He'd played the last few games of the season before. Did he play very much? He, he was sold. He was sold to an American team, I think, if memory serves me right. So the, so we actually got money for him. We, we got money for him. But the, basically, the premise was so frequently, let's sell somebody rather than make a team up that is going to uh, um, do well in the next division. David Stride got sold to uh, Memphis Rogues for 90 grand on the 31st of October. So somebody okay. made it. Some uh, obviously, um, Hurst made a decision. He wasn't up to it. Um, or the uh, board made a decision I that think... they had to pay the wages <laughs> up to Christmas. <laughs> indeed, indeed, indeed. Well, um, I just ask a question. As yeah, a of course, of course. Can I just ask a question. If you are playing for Chelsea and you're not a bad, you know, you've got you look pretty good and you're sturdy and and um, and you've got a good stride and uh, and everybody thinks and you think, yeah, he's got potential and you're young. Why would you then, as a player? Wants to go to America for ninety thousand money, I suppose. Yeah, once again, yeah, probably offered. Yeah, a bit like one. China money. is now. Better yeah. style of life. Yeah, I suppose so. Sunshine. I suppose so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right, we're going to have a bit of a half-time break. We're at the end of the calendar year for Chelsea, so halfway through the season, we'll uh, continue with the second half of the season and have a bit of a reflect on it after the break. But before we do that, I should alert your attention to. Uh, CFC UK. Now, there are obviously no more match days, but you can still get uh, the best Chelsea fanzine around. Uh, You can get it digitally by subscribing online at cfcuk.net. Or, of course, you can get it physically uh, by paying £2, including first-class postal delivery, uh, by emailing your address and paying via PayPal to cfcuk at gate17.uk. Now, Right now, there is an edition around that will get printed if people buy it, basically, uh, because it's a special one to raise money for four charities. Help for Heroes, Leukemia UK, Help Them Help Us, and Stoll, who are, of course, our next-door neighbours and look after homeless veterans. 
Uh, and by producing, uh, well, you know, basically we're going to produce uh, a special photo-only edition of the fanzine, which will have uh, photographs from the past decade. I think me and you are in there, aren't we, Clayton? Don't worry, you're on mute. You don't, you can, don't have to answer that. I think he is. But we're all in there, plus a load of other uh, really interesting photographs taken with loads of people who are, uh, you know, kind of friends of the fanzine, really. So the target is to raise 500 quid per charity. So therefore, the cost is £6, inclusive of postage, within the UK. Uh, but it will only go ahead if we reach the target that we're trying to raise. So there we go. If we don't reach it, all the payments will be refunded. So send the payment and full address details to, uh, via PayPal to cfcuk at gate17.co.uk. We will return after this break. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! Footballfancast.com Okay, uh, welcome back, everybody. This is the Chelsea Fancast with me, Stanford Chidge. Im over there, Jonathan Kidd. <laughs> and uh, the lovely, delightful Mr. Clayton Beerman. Good evening. There you go. And uh, we're into part two of... Uh, our 50 Years of Chelsea series, which this week is 1979-1980. And we leave, uh, we left Chelsea at the top of the Division 2 table by the end of the calendar year. Uh, and at the beginning of the year, as Clayton was saying to me earlier on before we went on air, probably sums up Chelsea, two weeks in Chelsea's history that sum them up, perhaps, as a club more than any other. Um we play the highly fancied, highly rated, you know, traditional big club Newcastle United at Stamford Bridge in uh, in January, I believe, first match of the of the new year, and uh, we absolutely wallop them four uh, 0 I was watching this actually, funnily enough, just before we went on air, um, but we basically beat them four uh, nil. Clive Walker scored a cracking goal, Clayton, which I, I forgot how good it was actually. Um, but do you remember much about this match? Were you there? Yeah, <clears throat> I was definitely there. So basically, I don't know what it is, but over the years that we've we've got this thing that we really do give Newcastle a good humping every time we play them at home. And this may have been the start um, because we absolutely just because uh, I think we were top and they were third. Yeah, uh, and so they they were sort of. On our tails in the promotion. No, no, they, they were top. We were second. Or they were top. Were they? And we were okay. And we absolutely hammered them. And I, I, they didn't have a sniff that day. And I remember being so excited after that game, and really, really gutted because I couldn't go to the cup game on the Monday, and we were playing Wigan at home. And the point is, that I think, and Jonathan may correct me, but we were playing Wigan on the Monday after we played Newcastle because we were supposed to play Wigan the previous Saturday, but it was postponed. So it was rearranged. And being at uni, I couldn't really afford to go to, to Saturday and Monday. So I was absolutely gutted because I thought if we are played like this against Newcastle, what we are only going to do to Wigan and Jonathan, would you like to take the story on? <laughs> well, let's put it this way. We were poor. Poor? <laughs> poor? We were very oh, poor. Oh, God. 
Against. Were they? I can't remember. Were they in the old fourth division or were they actually in the conference? I, I, know, I, I think they were in the conference. Yeah. Good God. Time. Yes. And um, and it was abject is a good word for it. I think. They only had one shot, didn't they? And it went in. It went in. Yeah. 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 And it was, and scored, those... scored by the bloke who would eventually set up um, Depeche Mode. Martin Gore. <laughs> it wasn't really Martin Gore, but his name was Gore. But as Kelvin says in in the book, it set up wonderful headlines like a uh, gory night for Chelsea. <laughs> yes, of course. Yeah. An interesting thing about the Newcastle game before we just get on into the the um, uh, the bowels of the Wigan game was how I didn't realise I'd forgotten that the 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 tunnel wasn't on the halfway line at that period. The pitch was further down, nearer the shed. Did you know that? And that the east stand was actually to the left much more. Oh, that's right, because they only aligned it years later, didn't they? Yes. Yes. So you, was the that way... when they actually got rid of the shed? They aligned yeah. it. They aligned it. it. Took that long. Otherwise, so you came out of the thinking you're on the halfway line. You weren't. You had to turn left. Another quick point. So Chelsea. It's just so Chelsea, wasn't it? Another quick point, just to mention it. And we missed out in the the Notts County game. How I think. Um, Somebody was about to play. Was it Frost? I can't uh, to score. I'm about to score, and um, the goalkeeper just walked out of the penalty area and grabbed the ball and handled That's it. That's right. Yeah. And um, and uh, the referee didn't book him or anything. No. Nothing. Happened. No. And then and then Barota came out and and knocked somebody over outside the penalty area and was booked. And every, everybody went mad. All the Notts County players all came round and. Uh, and harangued the referee. And yet Chelsea didn't say anything to the referee about the goalkeeper. It was almost as if it was a different world and a different law. Sli- you know, yes, I'm allowed to handle the ball outside the penalty area and you can't do anything about it. Okay. It's, we'll like, it's like tangent, chaps, but I've been, having watched these matches today, I've been dying to ask you both this, uh, these two questions. I mean, number one, of course, is the, the old bu- uh, Butka, is it but- Buckter Kits? Remember the but- Buckter Kits? Not yes. counted, yeah. That's easy for you to say. Not, not at all. Butt kissed, <laughs> but buckter, buckter kits, kits, which kits. I remember as a kid as being horrible. Weirdly, yeah. said better in an Asian accent. Butka, butka kit. Don't start me. I missed the beer. Anyway, I remember those kits as a kid. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the only kits that I know that were worse than that, the kind of nineties version of the buckter kits, were capper kits. Like nobody, nobody. You you either bought an Umbro or an Admiral. You didn't buy Buckter or Kappa, unless you were from the north, I reckon. But anyway, the Kappa but you know to, that those kids. Those I go, whoa, 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 one of you, one of you, one of you. Sorry, sorry the Buckter kids. I think that the Bull Boys at Stamford Bridge wore purple Buckter tracksuits. No way. But we were wearing Umbro. Don't you think? Can you remember that, Jonathan? Yeah, it rings a bell. Yeah, Clayton. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, yeah. They 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 seem to come each season. They wore a different different shade of something, and you wonder whether it was a excuse me, it was a rival firm. I don't think they paid any attention to consistency like that, did they? They didn't say no. Everybody's probably, probably a, fell off the back of a lorry, didn't they? Mate? Yeah, they were probably yeah, yeah. yeah they were probably. Uh, I was surprised they actually wore the same uniform rather than just a kind of. Their, their own shorts and their own socks. Now, here's a question for you. Had, had you donned the uh, stamp for the Lion kit by now? Um, 79, 80. I, it was my my era was that. So uh, Sorry. Um, what was the game? Hang on. West Ham at home. 
That's no, when all ne- the the ag was. Did you next- start all the ag, Jonathan, with the West Ham fans addressed to Stanford the Lion? Uh, no, because you you it was a it was a Saturday game. You were yeah, mum was a Saturday. Stanford. Game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it was the next season. Right, 80, 80, 81. Yeah, yeah. All right, fair enough. Now, listen, talking to Stamford Bridge, the 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 thing, the questions I wanted to ask you, I noticed this watching the Charlton game. It's the first time thus far, you know, and okay, I've only been catching up on all the old YouTube clips, but as you know, I love the singing, so I've got my ear tuned into it. And, and thus far, Chelsea's repertoire seems to be, when they get scored against it, you're going to get your fucking head kicked in. Or whenever there's a really good challenge, Chelsea aggro, Chelsea aggro. But yeah. in the Charlton game... I hear we all follow the Chelsea over land and sea. And I haven't heard that up till now. And the other one I heard, this I think was uh, up at uh, Notts County. I heard them singing Carefree. Yes, absolutely. That's the first time I've heard we all follow and Carefree this season. I I thought it was quite interesting, actually. All you could hear in the Notts County game or the highlights of that Notts County game was Chelsea fans singing. Yeah. Yeah, great support of that year. Clearly, yeah. but were these songs sung before then, Clayton? It's just a bit of a, a weird kind of coincidence that I just happened to have stumbled across two. No, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, I I sort of continue to be hor- horrendously embarrassed by the fact that you can hear us singing "You'll Never Walk Alone" with the scarves up in all these yeah. clips. And yeah, no, I was saying everybody, everybody used to do that. Yeah, it was a generic song. It wasn't a. It was then a, a, a appropriated by the, by the Scousers. It was it was like a, a joy. I've I, I never worked out, I, as I said before, but never worked out why a song from the musical Carousel was 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 taken on. Because board. Jerry and the Pacemakers did it, and of Jerry and the Pacemakers were a Liverpool, Liverpool band. So therefore, why did we embrace it? Uh, and various other clubs embraced it as well. What was no that? idea. So they had a no right. Idea. Apparently, it, apparently, was it? It was a it's a huge thing with Celtic before Liverpool. Oh, perhaps there was that connection as well. I've got a great bit of info from uh, good old Mark Meehan who we had on last week. And by the way, people, if you were waiting for Mark Meehan's My Chelsea, I, I just had a bit, I had a mare this weekend because I had like seminars coming out of my ears and I had got hauled up to London to to do various things up there. And in between all that, I managed to put my back out. So it's been a bit of an eventful weekend. So I will get Mark's My Chelsea up this week, I promise. But... Mark said or mixed, he says, Eddie McCready was manager at Memphis Rogues, so would have bought David Strive. Ah, right. So there we go. Good information. Good knowledge, Mark. Now, getting back to 79-80, um, yeah, woefully inconsistent. I see that this is when we begin our love-hate affair with Shrewsbury by losing to them 4-2 in the next match. But a couple of uh, interesting signings happened around this time. I mean, I've told you already about Peter Rhodes-Brown and, and Kevin Hales emerging, but we we bought three signings around this time. One was Colin Lee, one was Colin Viljun, and one was Dennis Rove. So all pretty experienced players. Um, Colin Lee, of course, was a striker, played for Tottenham. Yeah. Colin Viljun, a midfielder. Dennis Rove, a pretty hard nosed defender. Lee, Lee became a good serve, servant. He did. Club. He did. We'll let that hold hold your hold your horses. Hold him, horses. Uh, we also, of course, uh, had the debut this season of the absolutely delightful, wonderful Colin Pates, who, when I interviewed him for the Chelsea special, spoke about this era just so articulately. But anyway, it occurred to me: how many football teams do you know who have had three Collins playing for them at the same time? Wow. 
There you it's go. A very, very good question. It's a very good question, isn't it? Um, can I? Yeah. Can I just? I don't know if you're going to go back to it, Chidge, but can I just um, go back to the Shrewsbury thing? Yeah, totally. So this game, and I don't know if Jonathan remembers it, but this game is why we didn't get promoted. Because in this game that we lost four to at home, a certain player called Chris Kamara who played for Shrewsbury Town, took out John Bumstead. No, he didn't. Not in who this, did then? Not, not in this one. Maybe later on in the season, but Kamara wasn't playing in this match. Oh, OK. Well, John Bumstead got injured in this game. He did get injured. And he was out for the rest of the season. And that, I thought, uh, certainly at the time, yes. it cost us promotion. Because he was so important to us, and and he was just—I I remember he was stretched off. Awful, awful game. Good I was knowledge. part of the eighteen thousand one hundred and twenty. <laughs> so what was it with Shrewsbury? I mean, I—I I, I don't know. I think I, I have a kind of an affection for these matches because Psycho Phil and the Norman boys always talk about it. I mean, there's one match. It might have even been this season, actually, where Phil took Stuart as a two-year-old toddler, complete with the, you know, those little harnesses you could get toddlers, right? So you have yeah. one of those. Phil at half time, they're they're at the front, and Phil at half time put Stuart down so he could roll up a fag, and before he could know it, Stuart had managed to crawl over the the fence and was launching himself into, you know, running onto the pitch. Uh, at which point, all the Chelsea fans started cheering, Chelsea aggro, Chelsea aggro. This little two-year-old toddler doing a, pit, a lone baby pitch event. It might have been the next season, actually. But, uh, I have a memory of this, actually. I have a memory of a child going onto the pitch. That was Stuart Norman. The crowd being very, very amused by it, yeah. and doing, shouting Chelsea aggro. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it might have been next season, to be fair. But it, that's always kind of like made me fascinated about us playing shoes. We had a terrible record against them. Um, another West Country team, uh, which this, this amused me royally when I, when I checked this out on YouTube, but obviously we, we played Bristol Rovers. This is now getting towards... Uh, yeah, this is now in February. Uh, we're still third. And, uh, I mean, we got, we got hammered, really, 3-0. But the, the match is not remembered for the result much, as I discovered by looking for match footage to find none but a an ITV news report of Chelsea hooliganism and the FA trying to ban Chelsea from travelling away, but apparently the club sued the FA and they had to, to, to revoke the ban. Anybody, do you two remember this? Yes. Yes, well, and also... But I, was, I, remember, I remember the trouble. But it was a typical reaction, wasn't it, to losing? If you, if you, if you lost, like, to a number of goals like that and played not particularly well, they'd they just they'd all go mad and try and destroy everything. That was the... I remember the police horses actually charging the up the terraces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, they they had footage of that on YouTube. I don't know why. I mean, there'll be people that are listening, no doubt, and I shall ask a few mates. But there seems to have been a a pretty big enmity between Chelsea and both the Bristol clubs. Actually, uh, I, I remember people telling me about a lot of ag at Bristol City when we, whenever we played them. So I don't know. Don't know what they put in the cider down there, but it clearly uh, caused a bit of a ruckus. But moving swiftly on, um, we're still top of the league, right? With a month to go, we get to April and we're still top of the league. Now Clayton says that um, 
our season. I think it's a really good point, actually, about bummers. Losing bummers really hampered us because he's a great player for us. But uh, we lost 1-0 at Leicester, who were in the hunt for promotion as well. We lost 1-0 to them, largely because one of their defenders clatters Petar Barotta. And, uh, you know, basically they score as a result of that. Uh, And even on the commentary, the lovely Hugh Johns says he couldn't understand what happened there because Barotta had been clattered and it probably shouldn't have been a goal. But that didn't help. But we still go into the the final match of the season, really, uh, you know, with a good chance of getting promoted. Um, We had to beat Oldham at home. Birmingham had to fail to win and then Sunderland had a game in hand and they had their game in hand was against West Ham who of course just won the FA Cup and were still very much on the piss. So guess what happened? Well, we beat Oldham 3-0, Birmingham won and Sunderland won and we miss out on promotion by a point. Right? No, it was goal difference. Goal difference. Are you sure? Yeah. Are you sure? Okay, I'll give, no, I'll, I'll give you a no. point. I'll give you a point. You're, you're right, Clayton. You're right. I'll give you a point if you can tell me what the goal difference was. Uh, I, I'm cheating because I'm looking. Birmingham, Birmingham was 20 and we were 14. Indeed. So we miss out. And the, re- the reason why... I, sort of one of, one of the, the worst things was... And I think I'm right in saying that we... We played on the Saturday, but West Ham didn't. Sunderland West Ham wasn't until midweek because of the FA Cup, it? because of the FA yeah. Cup final. Yeah. But but one of the worst results that we had, and I actually went to this game, and it was quite right. funny. Well, it wasn't funny at the time. Was the fact that we got beaten five yeah. one by Birmingham, and it was a midweek game, and it was really important. So we went up there, and. I remember as I was taking my seat behind the goal, Peter Barotta was flapping the first one in. It was literally in the first minute. We went 2-0 down about another minute later. And I think Tommy Langley scored just before half-time and thought, oh, you know, we're back in this. We left at 4-1 and I got home back to uni. And I remember one of my college mates saying, oh, that was a tough old journey and all the rest of it wasn't it he got a bit of a hammering I said yeah we lost 4-1 he went no you lost (laughs) 5-1 so we hadn't even listened to the radio on the way back or it wouldn't have even been on the radio on the way back we would have just been listening to music and that if you look at the the goal difference behind Birmingham that was one of the the, also one of the main reasons why why we didn't go up should have won then of course if they won there wouldn't have been any problem at all they wouldn't have been worrying about it but it's it's accumulation of the season, isn't it? Really, it's these, it's taking your eye off the ball in certain games. I mean, yeah, they around it. They'd won the they'd won four, five of them, didn't they? They won the next four off, next three after. Yeah, I've, I've and got it. Then they lost to Rangers. It was just the running. Was it drawn, drawn, one, drawn? That yeah, was the we didn't. Well, we we won two, drew three. But <clears throat> you know, I'll get onto this in a minute. But very quickly, we've got some great posts on Mixler that you'll love. Uh, Matthew MHL Gate 14 says Bristol away people used to stop you and ask you the time to hear your accent to find out where you're from okay and uh, Joe that's what happened that's what happened to me at Birmingham and I had to say I'm not quite sure I don't normally wear a watch and we we got away with it he said my watch was stolen by the peaky fucking blinders (laughs) uh anyway uh which funnily enough actually as a tangent I, I, I missed lots of them on the first time round. I've just watched all five series you know off the trot which has been great fun 
Uh, anyway, so I've been going around going peaky blinders all week. Anyway, um, we digress. Talking of Birmingham, Joe Blogg says, when we lost to Birmingham way 5-1, Barota scored a headed own goal. Well, that must have been the first one. It was a corner. Yeah. It was an in-swinging corner. And I can't. all I know is that he was, he was sort of waving it through. So whether it hit his head on the way in, I don't know. And uh, Aussie Simon... Sorry, Jonathan, go on, mate. As if he tried to head it over the goal, because that's the kind of thing he used to do. So he may have been trying to head... Well, I, just... I saw a clip earlier today where he runs out of the box and he heads. he's outside of his penalty area to come to meet the ball and he heads it. Yeah. yeah. The guy was barking, wasn't he? Absolutely Worse barking. Worse than that, Worse than that. Uh, Aussie sign my broken leg says, uh, it, I was there, it was a shit show. I saw Alan May score, says, Hugh Johns, fought in the war, only had one lung, but still smoked like a trooper, one of the great commentators. I've got to say, Hugh Johns is one of my all-time favourite commentators. I just, Absolutely. He just made you so excited. Corner, right side. Yeah, I mean, just, he just got you so excited, didn't he, watching it. Brilliant. He, brilliant. he came up with one of the best commentary lines of all time. I can't remember what the game was, but uh, an Ipswich defender, the ball came in from a corner, he tried to clear it, and he absolutely buried it. And Hugh Johns goes, he doesn't miss those. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he was just brilliant. I just loved him. Um Look, very quickly, uh, before we get to the kind of the uh, reflections, the reflections of the 1979-80 season, uh, another very, uh, and I know I've actually talked to people who were, who were kind of in amongst this lot, but there was something very important going on on May the 3rd, uh, 1980. Um, and this was uh, just down the road up in Kensington. The Iranian embassy was being held hostage by a bunch of terrorists and uh, a lot of Chelsea, well, I say a lot of Chelsea fans, Hickey's mob basically decided that they would go and, uh, <laughs> you know, hurry proceedings up a little bit and were singing about it apparently on the day. And actually they did, a lot of them did go up there to try and sort them all out. They were they, they were gently dissuaded from doing so by the police. And then, as we know, I think it was not necessarily that day, but around that time, a day or so later, maybe the SAS famously stormed the place and sorted it all out. But the thought of... Hickey's I'll tell, I'll tell Hickey's you exactly when the that was, embassy. Chich. When was Sorry it? Sorry to interrupt. I'll tell you exactly when it was. It was May the 5th because it was my 21st birthday party. We were having a party in the garden at my house and uh, we all went inside to watch the live action. Yeah, yeah. Well, it would have been. That would have been the Monday then because the third yeah, was the Saturday. Well, yeah. Strange times. Were you were you in the mob out. that were you in the mob that was taking the Iranian embassy, Jonathan? Enough, no, I was going out Surprise with a girl who lived me. in uh, lived in Redcliffe Street in Earl's Court, and uh, we were watching TV. And I suddenly heard, <laughs> and I said, "I wonder what that is." Do you think that's uh, is that Hickey's uh, mob? Uh, yeah, we're fine enough exactly what I said. <laughs> 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 My mate Hickey, you were saying. Yeah. Blowing, the, uh, blowing the Iranian embassy up. Yeah, yeah. I, it's just, it's, it's just. Yes, it yes, men, of course. It, it is one of, for those of us of a certain generation, it is one of those wonderful, kind of apocryphal, mad Chelsea stories. But as I said, I, I, I spoke to Martin King about this, and he, he says it's absolutely bona fide, absolute nutters, the lot of them. Uh, now, talking of nutters who liked inflicting violence more on the pitch than off it, uh, a certain young Mr. Harris, Ron Harris. It was his last game for Chelsea, that game against Oldham. How about that? He did well, didn't he? He did, he did well, well, dear Ron, didn't he? Who really shouldn't have been playing the last few years. Um, but he was a... a um, Great servant. 
Well, yeah, but also he, he started playing differently. He started playing central central midfield, didn't he? I mean, and he was a decent passer of the ball as well. You don't keep playing for a top club without having uh, um, a skill in many areas, as well as being um, uh, uh, an executioner of uh, of talent from time to time. But he was um, he, he he had he had some. He was skillful and, and tactically excellent as well. Particularly his his best period was uh, was obviously between um, sixty four and seventy three. But uh, he he kept going, and um, um, it was it was. I think everybody once again the same with Benetti agreed that the time had come. There was a kind of universal appraisal that yes, perhaps this was a season too far. But then uh, he was still doing okay, so. Um, uh, and I think he was obviously a terrific presence in the changing room. I think that was something that um, well, similarly Mick, um, um, Mickey Nutton said in his uh, John Sitton, I should say, said in his in his article I, I listened to his podcast I listened to that he found him charming and funny, but also a very good influence in the changing room. Well, which is what you, it's a really good point actually because Gary Chivers uh, on the Chelsea special I did with him was so fulsome in his praise of Ron. And he said he, he was such a lovely guy because he, he, would, he was like a father figure. I mean, obviously, yeah. Gary played in defence and would play next to Ron. And he would be telling him where to go. He'd be like coaching him all the time on the field and just giving him the benefit of his experience. And, and I think we underestimate this about Ron, don't we, Clayton? Because, you know, he gave everything for the club. He was, com- he was actually really selfless in that, in, in that form. You know, he helped people. He helped these youngsters through and develop. And it just shows you that actually you need to look at things in the whole don't you? He might not have been as good a player as he was, but his experience was was priceless. I think. Yeah, I mean, he he was uh, he was with the club man and boy. Uh, I know that he he went on a free to Brentford uh, at the end of the season, but he he was he was a fantastic fantastic captain, um, and it was quite interesting that that Jonathan mentions that and you mention it, but. Just watching the highlights. If you watch the the Newcastle highlights after um, Clive Walker scores, or it wasn't Clive Walker, it was the fourth goal. Clive Walker made the fourth goal. And they're running back to the halfway line and Harris is in his ear the whole time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not admonishing him, but he's talking to him and he's he's sort of, I don't know what he was saying to him. It might have been, where are we going later or, you know, what's for dinner? It's a little more like you've got the beating of that fullback every time. Keep going yeah, for it. Yeah, something like that. Just keep doing it. Just, I mean, he, he was a great servant. I love him. And I, I've, I've sort of spoken to him a couple of times um, in the recent years. And he's just a lovely man. And he's and Chelsea. Yeah, absolutely. Well, as we said, we finished uh, not one point of promotion. We were actually denied by goal difference, uh, which does kind of give us all sorts of permutations. I think... Clayton's point that had we not lost 5-1 to Birmingham, uh, we would have gone up is true. Although they were seven goals, I think, or six goals ahead of us. Yeah, so, you know, it might have helped. I mean, Kelvin says that had Mickey Droyne not hit the post in the first match of the season versus Sunderland, where we drew 0-0, we'd have been promoted, which is a good point. There's another thing he mentions, which I thought was wonderfully ironic in a sense, but a mere two seasons later, uh, three points for a win was introduced in the league, and if it had been in place in 1979-80, would have been promoted at the expense of Birmingham. So I think. Well, that- if you if you actually look at the final table, um, Leicester, who went up as champions, I think. I mean, we have more wins than them. We have more wins season. than anybody. We had 23 wins. The other three above us, which are Leicester, who were champions, yeah. Sunderland, and then Birmingham, they all had 21 wins. 
Go figure. Go figure. Well, look, given all of that, chaps, given how close it was, um, you know, you were you were both there. You were going. I mean, if we'd have missed out, if Chelsea had missed out, if, if I'd have been going as well and been more cognizant of all of this, missing out on promotion, on goal difference, I would have been gut- gutted. I was completely eviscerated. Yeah. I was listening to the bloody, trying to get the results of the West Ham game all the way through, the whenever it was the Monday listening and then you just you knew that they weren't going to win and it was just oh it was so disappointing as always i was the same gutted completely oh god yeah no it was it was awful and i think it was i think it was awful because you know you started off the season with blanche flower in charge with sort of you know not much hope but but then we'd really hit some form and it was just the fact that we'd stuffed up towards the end of the season you know, it, it would have only taken another point, another, yeah. you know, another victory or a draw yeah. or whatever. Turn one of those draws um, into a win. I went yeah, to the I mean, Maybe it was the psyche of the team that, that, that you know, in, in so far as we now have the psyche of winning, that that team didn't have it and they didn't know how to get over the line. And, and on the basis that we had Telford's ex-manager, uh, maybe it just it just wasn't there. As said, as it went on to prove, I went into the garden and shouted and howled about being a Chelsea supporter. I remember at the time going, you know, the fuck you I think it was the very fact that, as you say, we started off so um, um, inadequately with Blanche Flower, and it was the fact that we then just got better and better and started having runs of wins and got to be top of the table, and then not to not to follow that through. And end up being promoted at least was just oh it was vile oh god indeed well okay just to put a lid on the season uh, the top scorers were Mickey Fillery and Clive Walker with thirteen each most appearances Peter Barotta and Good. Ian Britton with forty four and the player of the season was Clive Walker rightly so had a terrific season. yeah he did actually let's let's not uh, let's give the man some credit right. Um, just your final thoughts on Peter Bonetti retiring in 78-79 and what you generally thought about Petter Barota. Um, obviously, it was sad when when Peter retired, but I think it was on the cards and, and he was ready to go. I think that um, Petter Barota was a bit of a curate's egg, to be perfectly honest, at the time. In hindsight, not so much. I think he made his debut. Uh, you probably talked about this last week. I haven't caught up with the show against Liverpool and kept a clean sheet. Um, we're all thinking, oh, could have something special. But he just basically went from bizarre to ludicrous to just a liability. And, and when I was watching the earlier clips, it was quite difficult. And Mrs. Beerman is now <laughs> telling me I have to go. Dinner time. Um, Dinner time. Um, but no, I, no, no, no. He, he, he let. I'll, I'll just finish off. It's quite interesting because it, thinking about him, there was a, you know, in in sort of the cold light of day, there's a sort of bit of affection. But having watched those clips back, and then I'm having those horrible memories of of him being in goal when we lost six nil at Rotherham. Yeah, not good. We'll get he to was the worst that I remember. I, rem- I, I had a kind of affection for his madness, but then you look at him and think, 
No, he's not a proper goalkeeper at all. Why did I ever think he was any good? Yeah, yeah. We'll get to the madness of Rotherham in the next week or two, I suspect. Anyway, in the meantime, Clayton, you've been brilliant. Lovely to see you as ever. See you soon. Thank you. You take care. Stay safe, everybody. Will do. And uh, JK, you've been marvellous. Simply marvellous. Lovely to be on again. Thank you so much. And thank you for, for bringing Liam to me on and uh, and scaring me. <laughs> for, bring, for bringing Liam to me. Oh! What a way to end the show. Brilliant. Now, you look in Mixler, as always, you've been fantastic. I've loved reading your com- uh, comments tonight. They've been absolutely top notch as always. Thank you all for listening. See you next time. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it Chelsea. empfiehlt Podcasts, die wir lieben. Ich bin Namri Dagyab vom Achilles Running Podcast. Und hattest du dir fürs neue Jahr vorgenommen, mehr Sport zu machen, laufen gehen und so? Aber jetzt fehlt dir so ein bisschen die Motivation. Ja, dann hilft dir vielleicht der Achilles Running Podcast, deinen inneren Schweinehund zu vertreiben, wo wir jeden Freitag mit unseren Gästinnen über Sport, Gesundheit und Ernährung sprechen. Wir hatten auch schon zum Beispiel mal Luisa Dellert bei uns da oder erst vor kurzem den Paralympics-Champion Matthias Meester. Also ich schlage vor, ähm, du ziehst dir Sportklamotten an, suchst dir eine Folge vom Achilles Running Podcast aus und wirst jetzt aktiv oder einfach auf dem Sofa liegen bleiben. Ne? Finde ich auch okay. Hauptsache Podcast.